0: Behind the Shades.
1: So I help people learn how to calm down the fight or flight nervous system to alleviate pain, stress, anxiety, insomnia, some orthopedic surgeries, those types of things. And so it's a process that people need to learn because we've kind of forgotten those aspects of our body and how to get ourselves calm. And I do this typically in the past, it was one-on-one where I work with people anywhere throughout the world through on zoom. And we teach them through this process. And I decided one, I'm getting to the point where I can't, I'm running out of time. And so I want to help more than just one person at a time. And I also recognize the benefits of being as part of a community and learning together. So I was working over the past several months on developing a community, developing a program, which I now call total body freedom. And I help people in this group shift and change their body. And you know, one of the best things about being in a close knit group is one, you can be vulnerable. No one's No one's going to shame you. You relate to people. You can ask a question that someone else may have, and it brings out more information. So besides me just teaching, it's the interaction and learning what you can see in other people and their nervous systems and how that applies to you. So there's a whole process to it.
0: So when you mention insomnia and helping others, in what way does that impact us? On a day-to-day basis.
1: So like, let's say insomnia, for example, when you don't get enough sleep or you don't get restful sleep, your body goes right away into a fight or flight status. One of the reasons is when you don't get enough deep sleep, your body stays in that sympathetic fight or flight mode because during deep sleep is when your body starts to shift over into parasympathetic relaxation. But a lot of people don't go to bed till after midnight. And before midnight is when your sleep cycle has deep sleep as the predominant experience for you. So later in the night, like one, two, three, four in the morning, that's when REM sleep or that dream part of the sleep cycle is more dominant. But earlier in the evening before midnight, that's when deep sleep. And deep sleep is when you start to learn how to relax or your body goes through that relaxation. So if something like insomnia, that affects you right away. You wake up and you're just on edge, or if you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to be hungry, or you're trying to find a way to get enough, you know, food or energy to get you through the day. It also makes you more emotionally reactive. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that happen from insomnia, but one of the things is What is causing insomnia? Is it some of your habits regarding you don't like to go to bed at 10 or you don't want to go to bed till one, or is it, can you not calm down? And if your body is ramped up all day long and you're used to being ramped up and you're teaching your physical body to do that, and your breathing reflects that, then when you close your eyeballs at night, your body doesn't know how to let go and calm down and release. And so if your body's ramped up, your mind is also going to be ramped up because if you're, if you can sense that your body's on edge and your breathing is short and you're sucking in your gut, your mind is thinking, okay, what's the next danger? And if your mind is thinking, okay, what's the next danger? What do I have to be vigilant about? High alert on, then you can't let go. You can't relax because you're, you're worrying about a threat that may not be Coming to fruition. So it's a matter of can we shift your body to recognize how to feel safe, how to feel calm, how to feel relaxed, so that when you close your eyeballs, you can then enjoy sleep?
0: I know for me, um, when you mention that, it's so important for me because I push myself to have a specific amount of hours of sleep, as -hmm. well as I try to go to sleep around the same time. But I know some of my friends or some people I know, one of the biggest things that I'm glad you mentioned about calming down is this, for those Mm -hmm. who can't see it is a cell phone. I know people who in their bed, they're texting, they're watching a video and the bright light and the closeness to your face. Mm
1: -hmm. What
0: can we do to help us calm down as we're entering our downtime or sleep Mm -hmm as well as to maybe unwind and go from there.
1: Absolutely. So, ideally getting off any electronic device. And if you want to wind down in the evening, think about reading a regular book, those things that used to be printed on paper. <laughs> Do one of those.
0: <laughs> For those um, who don't know, we're taking you way back in the day, you know, with a book held in your hand. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, and then using a light, like a a smaller light, that's a little bit more on the yellowish color zone or yellow, reddish instead of the bright blue lights. So that can help just kind of shift you a little bit, but try not to have the bright overhead lights on so that, because that stimulates, Hey, it's time to wake up. So think about changing those habits. If you must use your phone or any device, there's different screens where you can, you can set in your phone. To be on blue light blocking mode. So everything turns a shade of yellow. If you, there's also different types of glasses that you can put on that kind of blocks some of the different lights. So you can slip those on at night. They even say there's a good book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. And he talks about, you know, if you're going to watch TV or something, do it on the old TV far away from you. So it's not right in front of your face, like you were just describing. But those are critical for just calming you down and then working on shifting your body position and breathing. So they both reflect a relaxation pattern or calming influence on your nervous system by doing something like that, where you're more in a curled position, your back is relaxed. Your rib cage is dropping in your belly is relaxing and letting go. Those will, those positional changes will start to allow your body to feel, Oh, I can just let go. And you can start to feel Feel your breastbone melting in and your breathing mechanics can start to change. Your breathing becomes softer. It goes more into the lungs. You start to use your diaphragm differently, which stimulates your vagus nerve to calm you down more. And so if you can start to practice that, you can feel your body just start to drift off. And if you can, one nice thing about like a paper book, you can just let it go and you can just fall asleep. That would be ideal. We just wanna get our body calmer and calmer because when your body recognizes that it's in a safe place to fall asleep, you wanna keep that habit. That's a good one you want to instill. And like you said, obviously having the pattern and the rhythm of, okay, it's 9.30 at night, time to get ready for bed. Let me go to bed at by 10 o'clock so that I can get some good sleep. That's a great way. And I I love literally I'll get in bed at like nine, if I can get to sleep by ten, I, that's ideal because I know I'm maximizing that deep sleep, that you know is more predominant before midnight.
0: I'm the same way. I try to be my bedtime routine before eleven. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I want about ten thirty, because mm-hmm. I wake up about seven p.m. Sorry, sorry, not seven p.m. I wish. <laughs> I <laughs> wake up about seven a.m. So it mm-hmm. gives me six to eight hours and what I love to do is the phone goes on silent it's -hmm. in another room I'm relaxed in my bed I may have a book I may have a tv show on Mm -hmm. but I'm in a relaxed state of mind everything else is off but the tv and what I used to do is I used to have the team on a timer Mm -hmm. so it was shut off automatically let's say for example if I'm watching a movie and it's two hour movie hour and a half I put the timer to about 45 minutes and then I go from yeah. And I find that to be very helpful. And when you shared it at the beginning, Amy, in regards to what you're doing and what you're launching, tell us a little bit about what you've launched and how that is continuing the work that you do.
1: Yeah, so we learn better when we're around other people, especially if the group is focused and is curious and asking questions. So instead of having people just one-on-one where I'm instructing them and saying, okay, do this. Now you're going to do this. Now you're going to do this. We're coming together in a group. And so twice a week, we meet for one part of the week. I'm instructing them on a couple different positions to practice, to help their nervous system calm down and for them to feel safe in their body again. And within that session, they also pair up and so that they coach each other so that they can see what's happening in another person. So as they go through and work on the breathing and positioning with one person, they're coaching them through that. They can see, oh my gosh, that's what my body looks like. That's what I'm doing. And then they flip-flop. And so it helps them become more adept and in tune with what they see in other people. So now if they go back to their family, And let's say this, a female is looking at her husband. She sees that his ribs are high and he's talking, he's talking. And she's like, oh, he's ramped up. Okay. So maybe, maybe I won't get into an argument with him or anything like that. Maybe I recognize that he's ramped up and I can change how I communicate with him. And maybe I can bring him back down. It it gives you a lot of understanding of other people and how ramped up they are. So that's the first session. And then the second session of the week is a coaching session where we see, okay, what did you take out of the new positions? Could you do them? Was your body saying, nope, I couldn't do it. Okay, what modifications will you need to make? Then I also have some additional videos on topics where I ask questions and elicit response. And so we go through all those discussions to help them move that much more. And so that course, it lasted a month. And so people get the introduction and then they can continue on if they want to.
0: And as you're doing that and as I join that, is it something that's similar to I'm spending X amount of time with with my clients mm-hmm. and you want them to set goals where let's say three months, six months, nine months, there's progress to the point where they're ultimately don't need their service, or is it something that is continuous throughout their journey?
1: It kind of depends. So the whole idea is, and the goal is, we go through this process, eventually it's going to be year-long program, but we go through this process where your body learns and responds certain ways, and you can feel and sense it. So the first, this first program is a month, but it's going to continue for a full year. For those who want to learn, if all of a sudden you wake up and you have knee pain and you were going to go through, okay, you want to do this first, try that for a few days, then this, then this, and this to get yourself out of the knee pain. And so we want people to be able to do this with their whole entire body. And by the time they get to the end of the year, I want them to be able to be Able just to go about their daily life. If something crops up, they're like, okay, I know what I need to do. And they basically get their themselves out of that position. So their pain goes away. And that's the whole goal of it is someone becomes self-sufficient. Now there's always ways where you might forget something. You might get yourself into another weird situation that becomes a problem. And so obviously I'm always there to, as a resource to help someone out of that.
0: So if there's, are there problems, Amy, that is foreseeable or is it something that will come out during each session with that person?
1: So it depends. Problems are not always foreseeable because our lives are not unfortunately, you know, in like a glass jar and you can predict every little thing. And no matter how much we try to control our lives, we know that you can't really do that and life just happens. And so it's a matter of learning how to control your reactions or influence your reactions so that your reactions do not go into a negative tailspin so that you can learn how to calm yourself so that your rational brain can take over and help you make decisions to take action instead of the other way around. Now I have a process where I'm guiding people through it but just like last week I guided people through it and then people are like okay wait I have a question about this i am experienced this and it's like okay time to pivot we're going to add this into your program and we're going to add that and this will help address that and off we go and so it's always this ebb and flow I can have a plan but most of the time I throw that plan away and say okay we're doing this that way now
0: and I guess my question then in regards to that because I'm trying to I love when I have these type of um, conversations because I take from it and I apply it to my life and I try to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can be. If Mm -hmm. I came to you, Amy, and I said, this is my issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting the type of sleep that I want because it feels forced. It -hmm. feels painful. And it feels that it's not happening long enough. I'm only being able to get four hours but it's a struggle, you know, and there's so many things on my mind. Mm
1: -hmm. How would
0: you help someone like me?
1: So first I'll get more information from you. So what feels forced? What is, what is the struggle? What are you feeling in your body that makes you have that sensation that something to be enforced? And then we're going to look at what else is going on in your life which part of your life is overwhelming right now that you feel the pressure that you have to hurry through something. So it feels forced. And then we're going to look at your body. How are you holding yourself when you're sitting, when you're talking and interacting with others, when you're relaxing, how are you sleeping? We're going to look at all those aspects. We're going to look at your rib cage position because your ribcage position will determine how much in a fight or flight mode you're in and how much your breathing mechanics are impacted by that and more into fight or flight mode. So we want to shift your body and allow you to get yourself calm. And when your body is calming down, then we see, okay, now that you can feel yourself start to calm down, We're going to see, can you feel safe? Can you feel safe and stabilize yourself? That's a big, that's a big deal for a lot of people. Most people, if they really pause and examine themselves, they don't feel safe in their body. And when they don't, then they have an urge to force through something or push through something or go through something fast. So we want to get you so that you can pause, feel safe in that pause and be okay.
0: And as you're doing that, it sounds like to me, and this is like my coach, my therapist hat being placed on, right? It's like you're creating like a safe space for them to open up and reveal some of these things that they're going
1: through. It really is. And once I... Let people know that this is a safe place and that I, you know, am, I am real, I'm authentic. I let them know they can ask anything because guess what? I've probably been through it. They feel more comfortable too. And I, I let them know I'm like, guess what? I bumble through life every single day. Like all these things that I'm teaching you guys, guess what? I practice. That's why I know I can get through it the day. But I'm not up on a pedestal. I'm bumbling, I'm practicing. Because I want to feel better. Because there's some days, yeah, I woke up, oh, I didn't sleep well at all. That's life. So I, all I can do is react in a calm way to what can I do to make a change? But I'm human.
0: And how much of you do you put into your work? Because as you mentioned, you experience some of this as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I put a lot into it. So I'm very, very dedicated to this. I spend at least six, sometimes seven days a week working on the material, working on videos, working on content. When I work with people individually or, or in the group, I am sending them follow up emails. I'm posting things because I really want people to get this. And I know that it does take work as you build a company, as you build a movement. And, you know, I'm working on. Getting this method out there so that it helps more people.
0: Did you ever experience issues yourself with sleep? If so, what exactly did you go through?
1: Yeah, there's been periods of my life where I had outcomes in my life that didn't, I didn't want. <laughs> you know, relationship issues or money issues or you know a job that was not a good situation, more on the toxic side. So it was hard for me to sleep because one, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe in myself. I didn't feel safe in the situation. So to me, I felt like I was on this race to get out of the situation. And so when you feel that internally, your body doesn't want to relax until it can get you To a location where it feels, okay, now you can let go. You are being supported. And so part of me is I didn't have that in my own body. So I was just, you know, anxious and I couldn't sleep. But once I started developing, you know what, no matter what is happening externally, as long as I have a roof over my head, I have food to eat. I can find that safety in my body. I can learn to let go. It's not a perfect science. But on a regular basis now, I can literally lay down, go one, two, three. I'm a bed. I'm asleep. And that quickly. And it's just a matter of, okay, can I feel my breastbone let go? Can I feel my rib cage relax? Can I feel everything start to let go? And my whole body state changes. And then all of a sudden, it's either in the middle of the night, I have to go to the bathroom or it's the morning and I just woke up. So one of the two. But it does take practice. It's not let's flip a switch and whoop, you're done. It's, hey, let's go through a practice and let's go through a process and a method so that now that's ingrained in my nervous system and I'm not just ramped up all the time.
0: It's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, okay, tonight I'm going to love being in my bed. I have the best sheets. Everything is cleaned. And as soon as you hit that pillow... You're out, you know, mm-hmm. and only if it was that simple, yeah. right, Amy? Only okay. if it was, it's like when you watch those movies, right? And you have this couple mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's probably like a romantic comedy now that I'm sharing this, but they're getting excited. The date went really well and they're going to bed and one person is out like a light and the other person is, <sighs> yeah. I hate yeah. you right now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's that moment. And when you mentioned that you can count down to where you're asleep,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how did you get to that point?
1: You know, when I started coming up with this process and methodology, I, at that time I was doing a lot of marathons and I was trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And I didn't. I was very ramped up. As was a very type A, high-strung person. And as I started going through this process, I remember getting off of a treadmill and realizing, wow, my whole body just calmed down in the middle of a run. I don't need to stretch. I don't need to do, you know, scrape, foam roll, all those things. I stopped doing them. And at that point, it was a turning point in my life because I finally felt what it was like to let go. Prior to that, I would have to run really long distances to let go. But that was a, considered a shorter distance for me at the time. And I felt my body release. And so as I started putting that into a practice and coming up with a methodology, I noticed my sleep got better. And it wasn't until later I realized what I was doing during the daytime was actually teaching my body how to let go and relax so I could do it at night. And then when I started teaching this methodology to other people and working with other clients, and they would tell me the benefits they had on sleep. That's when I started doing a little bit more studies on it and realizing, okay, this is truly what's happening. So time to get it out there and, and tell people about those sleep benefits as well.
0: And now you're trying to save the world one person at a time through their 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 sleep. Because for me, I I realized as I got older how important. It was because I remember a time where I was laying in bed mm-hmm. and my mind was just racing. Mm-hmm. It was me worrying. And that's the best way to describe it about tomorrow, even though tomorrow was even here yet. Yeah. I wasn't present. Mm-hmm. And do you find that to be something that is at least common in the people who are trying to calm down where they're worried about... All these things that have not even happened.
1: Yes, it's very, very common. We worry about a future that is fictitious. We worry about a reality that's not there. Now, the problem with it is if it's going in your mind and you're worried about it, your body doesn't recognize that that's just a made-up thing in your mind. So your body starts to respond to this worry in your future isn't really a reality now it may come to reality it may not most often what we worry about is turns out to be different than the reality of it and so our body starts to prepare immediately even for that future worry so our body starts to shift and change well before something has really come to fruition and why expend that energy why set your body up for a harmful existence when it doesn't need to be. So that's why we want to look at, okay, let's forget about the future. You can visualize the future, you can hope and dream for it, but why spend time in the negative? Why not just take action in the now? You can do stuff to prep for the future, but then let it go and spend your time in the now so that your energy is focused on the now. And so you can say, okay, body, is there any thread around me? Nope. Okay. I'm going to focus and read this book, or I'm going to focus and have this conversation. And it just allows your body to have a calmer existence.
0: And what advice would you want to give maybe people who are unsure that this is something that they're experiencing, but they do realize that my sleep has changed and it's not a positive change.
1: Mm-hmm. So, the first thing is when awareness is obviously the biggest thing is, okay, yeah, my sleep has changed. So, next up is, what do you want to do about it? Do you really want to change your habits? Look at your habits, write them down. Do you really want to change them? There are some people are like, no, I like to stay up till one o'clock, midnight. I don't want, I'm not going to change it. Okay. So, if you know you're not going to change that and go to bed earlier, are there any other things that you can do surrounding sleep to make you? more susceptible to going to sleep and having a restful sleep? Can you, if you're going to bed at midnight, can you stay in bed till eight o'clock? If not, then you might wanna move your time up a little bit. If, um, if you're used to doing caffeine, can you move it earlier in the day? Can you get outside first thing in the morning so you get the sunshine on your eyeballs and get the circadian rhythm rebooted? Can you do some breathing body repositioning breath work that I teach In the morning and in the middle of the day, and can you do it in the evening so it starts to calm you down? So there's a lot you can do, but first you have to decide, do you really want to make a change? Some people don't. And that's it's really what are your goals and intentions?
0: Yes, some people don't. Some people is like, I just came back from the club, I've been out late. Two, three hours is enough. But then from the research that I've done, and you're probably much more experienced than I am, the research I've done, poor sleeping is different than a lack of sleep. And I say that because you can be getting um, eight hours of sleep, let's say six hours of sleep, mm-hmm. but it's not good sleep, meaning you're tossing and turning. And then there's a the lack of sleep, meaning that the person's only getting two hours, four hours. But then when you have, I guess, the umbrella for that, from what I've looked into, is that many people don't realize the impact on the body, Mm -hmm. on your mental state, Mm -hmm. your awareness, your hormones, Mm -hmm. your eating habits, nutrition, your cognitive abilities. Mm -hmm. We sometimes forget that sleep is your body replenishing it in ways that it needs to because it's burning so much fuel when you're awake. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other group where they're taking um, either, they're taking something, Mm -hmm. right? It could be medication in its various forms to help them sleep. Mm -hmm. Are we at the point, and I'll let you touch on this, Amy, where you want your sleep to be as natural as possible or if you're getting an artificial type, uh, artificial induced type of sleep, is that still better than no sleep or poor sleep in this situation?
1: That's a tough question. Um, you want it to be as natural as possible. There's more coming out about melatonin is not really good for you. Plus a lot of the sleep aid prescription medications, they contribute to a whole host of other issues as well as the side effects that often people don't realize that are part of the side effects of medications. So ideally I would shoot for as natural as possible, as long as possible. There's a whole idea of I'll sleep when I'm dead. I used to have that. When I was a hard charging early twenties, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't matter. I've, I've since become educated. I've since done the research and studied this and realize all the different body systems that are hurt or injured because of not getting enough sleep. It's not like you can make it up. It's, it's tied to longevity. It's tied to, like you said, the hormones in your body. So many women suffer from hormone dysregulation that can be tied to sleep. Plus, the different sleep cycles. So it's, you have a 90 minute sleep cycle and that repeats throughout the night. That sleep cycle looks very different at the beginning of the night than the end of the night. And you need both those types. This idea of you can do fine on four to six hours of sleep. The research is showing, especially stuff in longevity and health and chronic illness that you need the eight to nine hours of sleep, even nine. And there are many nights where I shoot for a nine and just let go. But first it's, we have to get past this idea that we're invincible. Of course, maybe you don't want to live for a long time, then by all means, you know, make your decisions. But for those who want to live a healthy life, that's a quality life. Sleep is so critical to look at and it really, you want to go as naturalistic as possible. So for me, I would rather go naturalistic and get whatever sleep I'm going to get. I do not like sleep aids because I know it definitely will hamper me in the future. So people have to look at that when they're making decisions of medications or not is, are you doing everything else possible? And then, if you've exhausted all options, then you know discuss that with your doctor what you're what you want to do. <laughs>